It's this movie that's coming out in January, and it looks like it takes it's. It looks like kind of a take on like the old nanny who doesn't know what she's getting herself into kind of situation, and it's like there's these two creepy kids, and, and the older kid is Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Oh, oh, I saw. I yeah, okay. I didn't see the trailer, but I did see a photo promo for it. Okay, okay. Yeah, and the main girl I've seen in a lot of different stuff. Um, and I do not remember her. Yeah, you're about name, at this the part. one who plays. Yeah, the one who plays the nanny. But that's not important. The point is that the I thought the preview looked fucking great, and I'm very excited for this movie to come out in January. Um, it's horror. Turning, you should go watch. Yeah, yeah, it's horror. Okay, I could just Google. No, it. so it's so so it's like an unusual role, like you know, because Finn Wolfhard is in it, but he kind of or in in the in like the first it, not the most recent one, but he plays like that, you know, kind of the funny. The, the humorous, the goofy relief. kid, yeah. And this one, he like, person. yeah. And this one, he's just creepy, okay. um, in a really entertaining way. And yeah, I, it, I don't know. It it's looks, good. it looks good. So um, it's a nanny. Uh, is he the gotcha. kid that is get that gets nannied? Yes. So it's like him and his younger sister, and it's like their parents died, but it's not clear how their parents died. And I think it's like the grandmother who's running. Is the it state, current but... time, or is it a age like a? It looks like maybe current time, but it like takes place in current-ish times. But like this family's like very throwback, and they live in like you know some fancy estate somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, point being, it's there's like a paranormal aspect. It looks nice and creepy. Really good. I suppose we should talk about this episode now, huh? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Hello. Wow. That's really all I can say off the top of my head. <laughs> what an episode four, really. Yeah. Yeah. This is usually where it like teeters off, I feel like, and we, we got it. Here we go. I there's there's more questions than answers, but I like if, I don't know. I feel like for once, I feel like they kind of know where they're going with things. I, not to say there's not some problematic, potentially problematic things I want to bring up, but I'm still hooked, which is not always the case. Definitely, I agree. This is the point where usually we say, "Ah, oh boy," <laughs> and here goes Ryan Murphy doing his thing. <laughs> But totally. we're still like enthralled and like stuck in this actually like dramatic story, which is cool. Very, I cool. love it. Very cool. Yeah, me too. I'm 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 having a good time. Uh, excited to talk about this episode. But first, I want to talk about some different um, some feedback we've gotten over the course of the week on Facebook and on uh, via email. That that some some uh, interesting theories and, and insights. But before we do that, of course, I need to ask you what you're drinking this evening. I'm drinking a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this is my second glass because I sucked the first one down because it was such a good episode and I pulled out a whole bottle that I showed you before we started recording because I've, I'm very excited to talk about this episode. <laughs> it's that uh, kind of night. That's terrific. Cheers to that. Truth, truth. What are you drinking, Tyler? I'm drinking a double IPA from a uh, brewery in Vermont called Lawson's Finest Liquids. It's pretty well known around well with people who like beer so 
cheers to that. This is also my second beer of the evening because I also drank my first one during the episode because I was enjoying myself, and yeah. now we're uh, on, on to number two. So without oh, yeah. further ado... I, uh, before we start talking about things, as always, I so much appreciate the conversation on Facebook. You just you can you can join that conversation at facebook.com slash just American Horror Story. And if you would rather email us, we love that as well, and we try to respond to everybody who who reaches out. That's uh, this American Horror Story at gmail.com. Send us your theories, your insights, your questions, all that sort of thing. And it um, we're we always look forward to incorporating that into the show. Finally. Please rate us, review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate that, and it helps widen this American Horror Story community that has grown so much over the course of these nine seasons of the show, which is awesome. Um, yep. We've gotten a lot recently, and it's been really awesome because the more you, y'all you give us ratings, the more that we get more people that see us, and then we can talk with more people about what we all love. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I mean that, that's the fun part of it is like we're just all in for the ride, and everyone has their you know guesses about what's going on and their insights about oh I saw this on you know Ryan Murphy's Instagram or this or that, and it's like we're all sharing. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's it's a whole network that everyone's trying to sift through things and find their own insights, which is cool. So without further ado, I want to highlight a few key ones we've gotten over the past week. Yeah. Hit First me. one is the, um, I, we've Amanda on Facebook pointed this out, and I think we we also had this pointed out in, in an email as well, I believe. But apparently there is so we were all wondering about like the like what the where the name Slashdance came from for last episode. Mm-hmm. So apparently there is an obscure '80s movie called Slashdance, and it's about an undercover cop who poses as a dancer to lure a killer of dancers and try to like figure out who this killer is. And so potentially there's some relevance there in terms of the theme of the episode obviously we have aerobics instructors i don't know so you it's think it's tenuous. Like, so she thinks it's like a real deep cut uh maybe i mean maybe we were talking like because we were talking about the the jennifer beale movie as this as the flash dance movie yeah. but a slash dance is big yeah there is a slash dance movie so Point being, there exists a slash dance movie. Maybe that's where the connection comes in. Hard to say. Um, also, uh, Jen, Jenna, via email, uh, said a couple of things. She said that, I believe that Mr. Jingles cuts off ears because no one ever listened to him about his pain or mental health issues was one of the theories she had. Obviously, oh. we, we have a little bit more insight now, but I, I just liked that because it, it was kind of a basically foreshadowing into what we now know is Mr. Jingles' case. And I do think that he is maybe a little bit more... Um, I mean, I th- you know, he he got fucked by the system basically, and so that's you know kind of insight in, into the into what we're going to talk about later. And then her guess was that this whole season is about maybe mental mental health issues being an overriding part of that. And I think that's certainly true. And maybe this isn't the first season where mental health issues has played a big role, but it certainly is prominent here as well when you start talking about. You know, obviously, Mr. Jingles and kind of a little bit of a one flew over the cuckoo's nest vibe we get from him this episode. Um, some PTSD type stuff going on and, and on all that sort of stuff. Final thing I wanted to talk about is we've got all sorts of awesome theories. Sorry, my dog is whining at me. I think he needs to pee. I just texted Sarah to come get him to take him to pee. Sorry. No worries. She's, she's coming to get him. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> Dogs are part of the show. Thanks, well. honey. 
Just taking it outside. <laughs> My bad. Lou had Lou had his opinions about American Horror Story too. He he held his his bladder the entire time because he was enjoying it so much. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Was he drinking red wine too? No, he was eating my so, nachos that I was eating while I was watching it. Okay. So, a lot of people have theories about what the... Every, it seems like it's pretty prevalent right now that everyone's guessing that there's going to be some kind of mid-season twist. Absolutely. We've discussed this before. I think last week we discussed the video game potential idea, a couple of the other ones. There's a few others that have been thrown out there since then from last week. We have a time travel type... Um, Suggestion. One theory I really like is someone threw out an idea that there's an "Are you afraid of the dark?" type angle, in which what mm. we're watching in this show is like a bunch of people telling competing ghost stories around a campfire. The campfire story, absolutely, yeah. That one's kind of fun. Um, we had an idea in which um, someone suggested that Jingles, Mr. Jingles, would die halfway through, and then it would become kind of a Nightmare on Elm Street slumber party massacre for the second part of the season. Mm, love that movie. Ne- now that we see Jingle still having almost died and come back, I don't know if that's as plausible, but I, I like I that theory as well. And then the final one, and this is one that now I think is maybe more on point. Uh, there was a suggestion that there's some kind of experiment going on. And the suggestion, I believe, was that there was like a nature versus nurture type thing. In I wrote this down a, too. Yep. Mm-hmm, in which it's like seeing, you know how people react in a situation where they start being basically coerced to being killers. And I kind of feel like maybe this is the most plausible of the ones we've seen after having watched this episode and seen the preview for next episode. But I want to save a further discussion of this till the very end. But I love all the theories everyone shared. This is awesome. Now I'm excited to dive into the episode, which is called True Killers. Mm Mm-hmm. So... before we go, go into it, I, I want to point out this is directed by Jennifer Lynch, who I, has directed a few episodes, and I don't think we've ever pointed this out, but it is David Lynch's daughter. Really? Or she I didn't is, know that. yes. If that's her pronoun, uh, I'm not sure, but like, yes, that this is David Lynch's daughter. How are you on David Lynch? Because he's very polarizing. Some people love him, some people don't. I'm in. Are you in? Or are you out? I am a crazy David Lynch fan. I, I know you are. I know. That's what I was waiting for you to. <laughs> I love Twin Peaks. I yep. have seen all his movies. I watched the extra long Twin Peaks season two. Uh, or Do you like three. Blue Velvet? Yes, I love Blue Velvet. Mulholland Drive. I love Mulholland Drive. Yeah. It's his stuff's weird, but it's weird in a way that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't know that until like tonight when I like looked it up. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, do you feel, do you feel like you've seen hints of his style and her style? I'm gonna because I didn't know this till after the episode, and now I'm gonna rewatch those episodes and see if I see something. Mm-hmm. If there's a connection, yeah, because I love Twin Peaks. So yeah. So let's talk about this opening scene with Montana in the aerobics class. Do you want to walk mm-hmm. us through kind of what what goes on here? Yeah. So let me. Yeah, I mean, uh, essentially, we pull up right as a flashback. Sarah, get the dog. Sorry, he's barking. Uh, we get Midnight Manorobics. <laughs> Great. Hilarious. Where we have a bunch of dudes working out with Montana as our leader. 
she's leading them. It's a bunch of dudes, 80s, short shorts. And she does some coke, like, not on a mirror, but in front of the uh, aerobics mirror. And my favorite line she says is, roll that pussy. Uh, we're listening to Billy Idol. Surprise, surprise. And uh, we have our dear friend Richard Ramirez, or who we think is him. Like, do you, this is my question to you. Is he actually this uh, serial killer that we think he is? Or is he just a dude that is kind of sort of similar? I think that he is, and the implication is that Satan brings him back at the end. But Okay, I mean, all right. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so he shows up. He she ch- chats with him. There's one dude that's being like, "I want to hear Cindy Lauper. Fuck this metal shit." Rock, and, right, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then class is over. Jenner turns the lights out, which is ridiculous because she's just turning her music off and like cleaning up. Goes to the locker room. Locker rooms are very scary in horror movies, especially in the '80s. And then she shows up and sees a flayed, essentially, what was his name, Brock? Rod, I think it was. Rod, sorry, Rod, flayed and disemboweled in the corner, hanging in the corner of the locker room. Uh, And she sees uh, our friend uh, Night Soccer show up, and he's like, yeah, what's up? And she's kind of, like, impressed she steps in the blood with a great shot, a David Lynch shot, I think maybe, this is what I would think, with the foot in the blood and the drip of the blood. I liked that. And um, they have they chat, and then obviously they end up hooking up. And she says, would you kill for me? And she has a very particular person that she wants to kill. And Tyler, who is that? Well, there was a lot of speculation that this was the case on Facebook, and I think uh, I'm glad it like we got an answer so quickly that Brooke was somehow and like sorry, Brooke is the person that she wants to have killed, obviously. Yes, and that Montana had some kind of connection to the murderous wedding in which Brooke's fiance shot everybody up. Um, of course, Brooke we learn is the best man's sister. And no, Montana. You mean Montana? Montana's the oh, best. Sorry, man's Mon- sister. sorry, sorry. Montana's the best man's sister. Blames that dies. Brooke. The best man dies because the fiance believes that Sam, who was the best man, slept with Brooke that night. That was the whole controversy. Doesn't believe Brooke when she says that, or say, or her own brother, I guess, when they say that they didn't actually follow through with it. Right. And so blames Brooke for his death. Instead, yeah, Montana of, believes, of it. course, the ho- homicidal fiance instead. Yep. Um, so of course you know blame blame the woman <laughs> from from the woman which is you know ironically 80s as it is um, but there's I mean so many people called this so I, I mean cheers to everybody who who had this theory in their minds it is a nod to kind of the familial ties trope of these 80s slasher movies I would I think yeah um, a few other key things I wanted to point out for this scene among them, there is a recurring theme in this particular episode of Mirrors. You have Ooh. Montana have her moments in the mirror here, and then you have Xavier have his moments in the mirror after he oh, gets cooked alive point. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, A little bit interesting. 
Um, also, how the hell did Night Stalker get Rod get it up there so quickly? It's like, you know, it's a movie. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's it seems like a lot of work to have like flayed him and then post him as such. But man, that was pretty nasty. Um, and then also the weird murder fetish thing going on. I, I was like, is he gonna lick her foot? Is he gonna lick the blood? Oh, yep, he's going for it. Tarantino style. Tarantino style, and we revisit this later in a, a parallel moment. Again, we're talking about parallels a lot, which I, I still feel like there's some kind of significance that we haven't quite worked out yet. Mm-hmm. But point being, I'm glad that we got this. American Horror Story is doing something to us this season, which we haven't had in past seasons, which is it's giving us answers rather quickly, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Instead of making us wait for a long time or never answering the question. Other thing I will say is that um, I am appreciating completely lost my train of thought there, but I'm appreciating that portion of it for sure. When it comes back to me, I will bring it back up. My one thing about this scene, though, I would say is it's really kind of surprising that you mentioned this earlier. She would assume that it's Brooke's fault. And why is why would she be so mad at Brooke when she is like a sibling to the best man of a wedding as Tyler, as someone who has been married, you know, your groomsmen, their siblings would know a little bit about the person they're going to be at a wedding with. So it's a little weird, I think. But that's just being like a little in like particular. Yeah, but also, you know, in some ways also fits the the style of, of this season in, like, the, the 80s type yeah. demeanor where, like, you, bl- yeah. you irrationally blame other people for yes. things that happen to people. Irrational is perfect a way to put it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, wait, by the way, I, I hate that, that Which is that, yeah, exactly. And I, the other thing I was going to say is that I, I do like that it also gives us a little bit more, like, it wasn't just a really convenient thing that all of a sudden the Night Stalker showed up right at Brooks condo immediately after you know montana mentions her at the aerobic class there was a connection between that and so i think that i don't know i i i'm theorizing that it's showing that maybe this season there's the writers have done a little bit more thinking through the entire trajectory of the season instead of just episode to episode which i do appreciate so into the body of the episode i want to this one has a lot of like interweaving storylines so we're going to be jumping around a little bit i want to try to keep things as centered as possible so the first thing i want to talk about uh, let's stick with montana and the night stalker for a bit and then we'll uh jump from there basically so obviously we learned as the big cliffhanger of last episode that you know montana and the night stalker had a relationship in the cold open we get their origin story a little bit and from here we know that like basically they're trying to kill brooke and get out of there before jingles i guess kills them it seems like they could just leave and, and hope that Jingles killed Brooke, which m- maybe or maybe not would have happened regardless. But anyway, we we fall. Exactly. No, I mean, I, they, I think everyone thinks Jingles' motive is to kill Margaret, right? Because that's the... I mean, even he thinks that's his own motive, I think. Um, although Donna kind of has her own motive that she she sets up um 
But, you know, we go from that opening scene then with Montana to Brooke waking up from being knocked out in that little kind of supply closet after a very pathetic first attempt to break out. She very easily busts out with her shoulder in the second attempt uh, and then gets trapped in the woods um, with some I laughed about style. that moment a lot. <laughs> her breaking through the, <laughs> the yeah. shed. Oof. And then yeah. boom, breaks out. Oh, that's oh. really easy for like a 45-pound girl. Mm-hmm. And then she runs into the woods, and we find out that Donna's the one who's basically set all the traps. So I think we should we could probably assume that she's the one who dug the spiked pit last time as well, right? Because she oh th- oh that's a good point. I don't know, but that could make sense. Yeah, because doesn't she indicate that she's the one? Because she says something about some bear traps. So I th- I feel like she's the one that's basically admitting that she you know does yes. the spiked spiked along You're right. a rope and the net that catches Brooke. But what I don't understand is like, how does any of that? Oh, well actually never mind. So, so what Donna says is that she wants to see if Benjamin will kill Mm -hmm. somebody who is basically helpless or like, Mm -hmm. or whether it's the thrill of like chasing somebody who's trying to get away from him that entices him. Yep. Yep. So I guess, so I guess that's like Jason Voorhees traps, Jason Voorhees version, the remake, which he does in the remake in 2007 or something like that but yes yeah also legends of the hidden temple is what my equation is i think i mean it makes me think of like goonies or something like that too it's like it's an obstacle course yeah there's there's traps that she has set to try to catch people and 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 it's part of her her experiment to see her science for her science Exactly. And, of course, Brooke gets caught in the net for a while, and Donna kind of comes and taunts her and tells her, you know, in a typical... She wants to study the predator in the wild. Yeah, any kind of, you know, horror movie or even an action movie when you have, like, the villain, like, has an opportunity to, like, explain all of their motives in one monologue. We kind of get that from Donna in this situation. Yeah, it's a blatant exposition of what she wants, and I had a question for you about this because this is one of the two questions i had about the whole episode one is donna essentially says you know you know i does he i'm paraphrasing but does jingles do what he does because his life has been laid out for him because of his upbringing or is it because it's his nature as a killer so it's nature versus nurture which he's essentially trying to study what do you think it is for him I mean, from what we learned from the end of the episode, in, in that like basically he wasn't a killer until Margot, Margaret, Margaret f- yeah. framed him, and then he had electroshock to kind of convince himself that he was the killer. You kind of got to argue that it's nurture, right? I mean, they basically brainwash him into thinking he's the killer. I mean, he obviously had a horrible right. experience in Vietnam. And that combined with... And it fucked him up, yeah. Right, and that combined with that stuff that happens to him basically after she frames him. PTSD and shit, Mm. yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, I think he's an example of a nurture winning out in that particular case, right? Right, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think he was who he was, and he's not a good person, like, completely, like, benevolent human being, but... Uh, he's easily conveyed because of his experience and PTSD, I'm assuming from Vietnam, that would shift him to believe certain things when he's like electro- electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway. you know, yeah, following Brooke's, Brooke's storyline, you know, she's in the net until both Night Stalker and 
jingles emerge and we kind of get that Freddy versus Jason moment that everyone's kind of been asking for. Slash Chris, you said, yes. Yes. So, pause that storyline for a second and let's backtrack to okay. kind of what's what's been going on other places in the camp at this time. Uh, you know, Chet. looking back, that's, that's what I was going to go toward. So, first of all, let me say that Chet's wound looks gnarly. Um, it, it's gross. I mean, he that was a pretty giant-ass spike he had through his shoulder. Uh, they Pulp Fiction him. This totally. That's what I wrote. That's what I wrote too. We have a Pulp Fiction moment yeah. where they, yeah, they happen after him back. You know, just pure adrenaline shot to the heart, back to life. So good for Chet. He he's still pumping. Uh, and Xavier remembers that Porno Blake brought his Cadillac. So they just need to, you know, snag the keys. And this is again, let's another moment where they decide, okay, let's split up. I'm going to get Birdie, you get Margaret, and we'll come. We'll meet back here. Never, yep. never works out when you split up. Never works out. We learned that episode two. Right. So Xavier goes and finds Birdie, who I don't think we've seen since episode one, who has apparently been up all night making sandwiches. <laughs> Ridiculous. Like they, they, we we needed more of Birdie early on because this is it's yeah it's it's cool. I'm glad to see her, but we should have seen her a little bit more. I also think she's a funny character, so I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get more of her. Um, yeah. Who knows what time but, it's supposed to be now? Like three or four in the morning, I'm guessing, because she says the kids are only coming in a couple of hours. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it's it's like pretty late in the night at this point in time. Um, Why is know. she making the sandwiches <laughs> on the benches where they're probably going to eat? I I don't know. It's it's, <laughs> it's too much. Like it's like. The, the the sequencing of the scenes of where where it's taking place is not correct, but I'll Fair, let it be. I'll let but it be. I'll, also entertaining. Then we have the whole scene where Xavier hides under the table because Jingles comes in and Birdie and for a minute I thought that maybe Bernie uh, Birdie and Mr. Jingles like had a sexual relationship and we're gonna like embrace or something like that. Which I, I thought I something like that too. I'm kind of disappointed that wasn't the case. Instead, she just remembered his sandwich order was PB and J. Um, but she tries to convince him that, like, this is where the nature versus nurture thing comes in a little bit again, because she tries to convince him that, like, the things we've done in the past don't mean we have to be that way in the future, you know? But he doesn't seem to care, because when he hears uh, Xavier rattling into the table, he KOs him and, and locks him in that oven, which was, like, man, for, like, a, a, a break to a commercial, that was pretty fucked up. I thought it was kind of a nod to sleepaway camp when the, you know, when the the chef in sleepaway camp gets that giant vat of boiling water dumped on him. Yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome, and it's kind of what happens a little bit to Xavier when he's like cooked in the, is is it an oven or a microwave? It's an oven, right? I believe so. Uh-oh. Like a, like a convec like a convection oven. Either yeah. way, it's really gross and horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's open enough that I. Th- think that's what they would cook things in but i don't know if it's supposed to be like is that what you cook like pizzas in <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not it sure looks, yeah it looks like a big like convection oven type thing um then birdie saves me the last moment but it's not clear what happened to birdie she's like got blood we don't all over know her. we don't know yeah but apparently it's something bad enough that obviously she wants xavier to kill her um and they that they seems like, a little suspect to me that whole situation though right it does, and then like their screams, like 
feel bad for Xavier through all this a little bit, like horrible stuff happening here. And then, of course, he looks in the mirror and is disgusted by like what he's become. Um, He'll never be on um, like TV magazine. What's it called? TV TV Guide magazine. TV Guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's what he says in the preview for next episode. This oh, is. Yeah. I almost wonder if we should pay attention to this moment a little bit more when he looks in the mirror there. Because this is the second time, okay. like I said, we looked in the mirror. It's like, I don't know. You know how, like, because Freddy Krueger, right, was, like, burned alive. And he's mm-hmm. got a little bit of the same kind of burned alive type stuff. It's it's almost like we're seeing the origin story of someone who goes on to, like, become mm. a killer. Ooh. Ooh, that's a really good point. And as we begin to see in the preview, and we'll talk about this more later, like how everyone kind of becomes a killer themselves. I don't know. It, it seems like there's a transformation happening, potentially. Right, right, right. Yeah, there could and be also, something transitioning there. Absolutely. Well, and keep in mind that Xavier had to kill his first person. It was somebody who was asking to be killed, but he is now, he's still technically a murderer at this point. So, right. fundamental experience that would be changing to him, right? Yep. Um, meanwhile, back at the fight, at, you know, the fight at the, I don't know, the fight in the woods, uh, Night Stalker, like, wants to kill Jingles to secure his legacy, so they start fighting while Donna and Montana also fight, so we, again, we kind of have this parallel situation happening. Um, also, I'll say that Mr. Jingles is a better fighter than his physique lets on. Yeah, I guess so, Yeah. It, they both weren't the greatest fighters. <laughs> Got some tricky moves. Stabbers. <laughs> Night Stucker's move is to play dead like a possum and then <laughs> cut your legs out from and spring up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was pretty brutal when Jingles hung Night Stucker's head on that spike. That was kind of crazy because he t- he literally like essentially like slammed his head and the the there was of course a perfect branch. Uh, poking out, protruding, that came through the back of uh, Night Stalker's head, right out through his mouth. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that this season, like spikes that perfectly come through your mouth. The mouth is, qu- yeah, quite the uh, uh, b- uh, point to murder someone through. We saw an oar go through a mouth. We've seen the uh, branch go through a mouth. So, yeah, it's happening. Knives in multiple situations. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, the making out right through the mouths. What's mm-hmm. up, My- Ryan Murphy? What, what What are you not down with mouths for? <laughs> I I don't want to read too much into that. It's <laughs> Yeah. Who knows? Um, so, so then we, have, of course, have our little separate Margaret storyline, you know, um, oh boy! So Mar- this is where my notes stopped because I kept just sipping my drink and enjoying the show. So Trevor, in his you know stupid but like also very courageous self, goes to check on Margaret. Finds that you know she stumbled across the dead Mister Jingles, and seems absolutely dedicated to staying there until the kids show up. In a, in a very weird and creepy way. I mean, we already had our theories about Margaret. At this, at point, this point, we... It, it confirms everything we thought about her weirdness, right? Correct. Correct. And then, of course, she puts the cross on the Jingles mask. Yeah. Um, but, Those are you know, very good masks, by the way. Oh, they're great masks. Right? And I feel yeah. like it would be really creepy to see like a whole bunch of them wearing masks at once in a V for Vendetta type 
style situation. That would be Ooh. very creepy. Ooh. Great, great movie, by the way. Um, t- slight tangent, but that is a terrific movie that does not get its due. If if folks mm. haven't seen it, go see Fever. I'm in the middle on that movie, but we can mm. talk about that in another episode. Mm. Big fan. So, anyway, Margaret seems to think that, you know, because she's got a gun, she's set. We, she pulls out her little toy bear, and then, of course, we get the flashback. This is a flashback we kind of expected to be coming. Yep. Effectively, she manipulated Benjamin to be the fall guy for her killing all of the, you know, counselors who were bullying her. Yep. Um, she was the awkward person. Also, she looks exactly the same. <laughs> but, you know, she... There's was she also... the director of the camp back then, or was she a counselor? Because was... the people she was making fun of in this whole sequence that she ends up killing in the flashback, they seem like they're a bit older, right? So... I think but, was she, I think she was a, I thought I think she was supposed to be a counselor and they were supposed to be other okay. counselors. Was my just, interpretation. Okay, so she just looks older, but she's supposed to be one of them. I believe so. I will also okay. say we also we also get another little bit of like parallel storytelling here because like the way that she like sucks on Benjamin's bloody hand after he cuts himself is not that different from when you know Night Stalker goes down to suck the blood off of Montana's toes. So yeah. Yeah, weird similarities in these stories. We got some parallels, again, yeah, for sure. Um, but then, of course, we get the full story of the framing. There's the the whole electric shock therapy scene with Benjamin in the hospital is pretty dark. It also gives very one flew over the cuckoo's nest vibes, which is relevant because obviously Ryan Murphy is producing the Nurse Ratchet uh, miniseries on Netflix. Yep. With, Netflix, yeah, with um, Sarah Paulson, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yep, as a nurse ratchet, yep. so relevant because the the um, psych, you know chief psychiatrist from the asylum is kind of playing that nurse ratchet role in which they're mm-hmm. electro- giving uh, administering electroshock therapy to Benjamin in in those scenes and basically convince him, like brainwash him to think that he actually did con- he did do the murders even though we we find out of course that Margaret was the one that did it herself and then framed him by cutting off her own ear, right. Right, Ugh, which which gross. which we'd theorized and other people had theorized as well. So and then she fills him with lead. You know, he comes at her and and she she unloads her gun. But of course, in classic no headshot, in classic eighty style slasher, you know, uh, uh, tropes. It's it's not enough to kill him. And when she turns around, the body's gone. The body's always very Michael gone. Myers, very Jason Voorhees, absolutely. Yes. Somehow they escape. You know, he's wearing body armor. Maybe I don't know. There's still blood yep. on the floor. Um, one thing she says in this was, I remind me if I'm wrong though. She, I think she says like victims of serial killers are over, overwhelmingly women. Or no 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 that was Don- Donna that was Donna that. that was Donna sorry that was Donna who said that I'm that's sorry. part of that's part of Donna's excuse for leaving uh, Brooke in the in the net because she's saying you know this yeah, is, that's you're, right you're, I'm you're sorry. being you're, you're right you're being sacrificed on behalf of science you know you're you're a feminist because you're doing this for all the women who are going to be who would have been killed by few, yes. serial killers in the which is, I think is bullshit because it's like victims of serial killers are over, overwhelmingly William wi- women but or is it more like serial killers are overwhelmingly White men. <laughs> Correct. Um, but anyway, no, moving that, on. Sorry. No, 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 no. Good. You, that good reminded you, me of that. Good, you brought that up because I, I missed 
bringing up that line as well. Um, but then, of course, in the Margaret storyline, the one thing, the brutal thing, we lose Trevor, which I, I think is, is like... We, he we turned out to be one of my favorite characters. I feel like we didn't get enough Trevor. He was stupid, but he had like some. Trevor. He had courage to him. I think Matthew Morrison did a great job. I think so too. Yeah, I, I like I like Trevor. Obviously, we're getting some people coming back from the dead because we're going to get Night Stalker coming back. I don't think we're getting Trevor back. Just like I don't think we're getting Ray back. You know. That said, American Horror Story—you never know. But I do kind of feel like this was a real death. I think everyone's coming back. You think Birdie's coming back and they're all coming back? I, we'll I mean, save it to the end. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I was pretty I was pretty sad when Trevor died. I was too. Mm-hmm. He should have seen it coming, though. He should have, but he was you know noble and stupid. That's kind of his character. Chivalrous. But also, so the kids made fun of Margaret, so she killed them. Solely because she's bullied and she's Christian is what I I took away from that. Is that correct? That's her motives. That's what she says her motives are. I think her real motive is that she's a sociopath, and she's yeah, looking well, for just she's yeah. looking for justification. And obviously, she manipulates Jingles into being the fall guy for her murdering a whole bunch of people. And we see, of yeah. course, her being the one who perpetrates the murders that we saw in the opening scene of the whole season in the cabin during the sex scene. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm not a psychology major, but sociopath is one level, and psychopath is one above that, right? I think. Yeah. So, sociopath is manipulating people to, like, do things because they're essentially, oh, God. Our psychology friends, please inform me on this, but uh, are manipulating people because they're narcissistic. And they believe what they believe, and they're right. But there's a component of that to psychopath psychopathy as well because psychopaths have a narcissistic element, I believe, as well. But they also they lack like they lack empathy or the ability to have empathy with other mm. people. Um, I don't. Have you read the book The Psychopath Test by John Ronson? No, I feel like I should though. I'd like to understand it more. Phenomenal book. John Ronson is a British journalist who does uh, all sorts of very immersive mm-hmm. and really interesting. Um, books on psychological concepts but that's basically there's a there's a test for people that in what he he talks about in this test is that there's a lot of like ceos and stuff like that who basically are on the psychopath on on this official on this official psychopath test like come out of psychopaths Mm -hmm. really really interesting book but that's that's part of the psycho I, i i couldn't tell i mean yeah i'm not educated enough in this topic to tell you the the distinct differences between sociopath and psychopath but we can tell people show shades of that in certain characters and margaret is one of them right and of course then we kind of move into um the psychology also behind mr jingles because mm-hmm. donna had these kind Manipulated. of well she donna had these questions about him too like you know, nature versus nurture, like we talked about before. And then, of course, we see the scene where Xavier is begging Jingles for his life, and basically he lets Xavier go. And remember, this is not the first time this has happened, because last episode, the guy who had his um, urethra tied in a knot or whatever, remember the the guy in the Jingles mask who can pull it off? He lets that guy go. And again... This makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. That kind of fits down his experiment, that, like, that guy was just helpless, and, like, that was not enticing to Mr. Jingles. 
Uh, and so, well, I mean, with Xavier in particular, you got to you got to attribute part of it to the fact that he just learned that he like was not actually the one who murdered all the people in the cabin; that it was really Margaret, and he was just framed for it. Right. So that, that's the other aspect right. of it too. But right. it'll be interesting to see moving forward what role Mister Jingles plays at the camp, because like now that he knows that Margaret framed him, is he going to be kind of a good guy? Right. right. Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, I do want to hear what you think about that. But before we get there, wrapping up the episode, obviously mm-hmm. the Cadillac is exploding in the parking lot and Margaret's describing how Mr. Jingles killed everyone. Not really clear who blew up the Cadillac. There's a lot of candidates here. Um, Margaret yep. herself could have been the person who did that. And then, of course, we see Donna awaken in the forest to see basically the Night Stalker healed by Satan. So again, we get a little bit of that paranormal that was hinted at with our friend Jonah. Jonas, who we haven't seen now in a couple episodes. Right. So, question for you going forward. Is Mr. Jingles going to be a good guy now, or what's the situation there? I think we know that Mr. Jingles has now been framed, obviously, and I think he is not a good guy, but he is a manipulated guy. I think we know Margaret is a terrible human being. Uh, who loves Jesus apparently so much that she's willing to frame someone and go back to the same situation to make it happen again. Question for you. Do you remember the scene with Margaret and the Night Stalker? Yes, and when she talks about how you can justify basically killing people if it's for the right motives or whatever. So what the fuck was that about if he already knew he was doing there? Because he was there from Montana, I'm assuming, to kill Brooke. What was that whole sequence about? Because that was in that episode, that was the one moment that we're like, "What is happening? This is weird." So I wonder if that's supposed to be a test. So a testament to like how many how manipulative Margaret's supposed to be, because she basically takes this guy who already has a mission and kind of very quickly turns him in a different direction to make him think and ultimately he does obviously fight jingles but it's like mm-hmm. she she's kind of, I, I almost wonder if it was supposed to be like a showcase of margaret's like manipulation chops because she takes this guy who is clearly a blood you know has no problem you know we saw how gruesomely he killed the guy at the beginning of this episode um for montana and how margaret so quickly like turns him around and convinces him that killing Jingles is the right thing to do. Um, right. So in retrospect, it almost seems like, yeah, we're seeing what, a, like, you know, Jingles and Night Stalker are the ones who carry out a lot of the murders, but it's like, Margaret's the type of person that's like the real mastermind behind it. You know what I mean? Like the, yep. if this was like a James Bond movie, you know, um, Mr. Jingles or Night Stalker would be like the Jaws, whereas like, you know, Margaret's like the the Goldfinger, like this the person behind the, the you know behind the scenes who's like pulling the strings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm that gonna, makes sense. I'm that makes sense. No, 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 it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just weird, but classic Ryan Murphy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, also in the sense I forgot this, but Birdie tells uh, Jingles when she's making the sandwich, she says also. Also, also, Tyler, she makes a PB&J for him because that's what he likes, and she puts peanut butter down, 
and then she puts jelly on the same side as the peanut butter and then puts the other piece of bread right on top. Do you do that? I I always grew up with peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other side, and you put them together. Am I outrageous for saying that's ridiculous? It's not ridiculous. I've definitely done that before. Ew, why? Why you would you Here's why you know. do it. Here here's why you do it. It's because if you do jelly on the side without the peanut butter, the peanut butter acts as like a um protection from the jelly soaking into the bread. If you put the jelly on the side of the bread without the peanut butter, it's going to soak into the bread and you're going to end up with a dry sandwich unless you eat it immediately. Immediately. Okay, so the real way you should do it, and I've heard this, is peanut butter on both sides and jelly in the middle, and then you just put the pieces of bread together. As a giant fan of peanut butter, I would recommend that regardless. My point is that peanut butter and jelly sandwich was really shitty. And she didn't cut the crust off, even though when he cut it off, she was like, I, I, I remember you like that. Well, then you, sh- you should have done that, Birdie. And she said that she remembered every sandwich order, and clearly she forgot to cut. I mean, she, she forgot she, to cut the crust off. She, she sealed her own fate right there. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So, that having been said, what is your rating <laughs> Sorry. for this episode? No, that's that's useful. <laughs> um, I loved this episode. I can't believe we're four episodes in, essentially four hours in, to what is a traditional slasher movie that goes an hour and 20 minutes, and I'm still into it. I think it's great. I Again, I mentioned in previous episodes of our podcast where people are in different groups and then they and then people break off and they run across each other and they run into each other. It's really awesome. I really liked it a lot. I would say what I had hoped where I was thinking the episode was going to go was that everyone would be dead at the end of this episode and then we'd be left, left with a cliffhanger that's like, oh shit, everyone's dead. What's and then... We saw um, Night Stalker kind of rise from the dead, and I thought we, and I kind of thought that we saw Donna also sort of rise from the dead, even though she probably wasn't dead. She, she was wasn't just knocked dead, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kind of like when I thought about that, when I saw her get up and him get up, I was like, oh shit, everyone's rise from the dead, and I was sort of into the supernatural of that. And then I'm like, oh shit, what is happening? Why are all these people? Rising from the dead. So, um, I thought that would be a cool twist, and maybe we're going to see that next episode or something. I'm, I don't know. So, but, it, so sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, just, yeah, but um, I'm so, I was still super into this episode. I loved it. Uh, so, I would give it four severed ears. I loved it. That's solid. Quick question for you before I give mine. Do you believe that the thing that wrote, like, what brought Night Stalker back to life is the same thing that brings Jonas back to life? That's what I think, yes. That is what I think. Um, so I think there are a lot of roots in this location, or there are, well, which would make more sense, or there are roots in, and this has been put out a, a bit, but that everyone is flawed and has some sin that they're trying to redeem themselves from. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a trope as well in a lot of horror movies. When you show up, um, I just watched In the Tall Grass, which is a new uh, Netflix show or movie based off a of Stephen King thing, where everyone, like, are they dead? Are they alive? But they're going through the same thing. 
and they all are trying to redeem themselves of some sin that they've done in the past. So I, I do think that still is going to play into this, but I think it could be done in this season. I don't know how well it will be done. Or it's not going to be done, and it's just going to be weird as fuck. What do you think? Give me one second. I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Yeah, go go to the bathroom. I'm going to talk. So Todd's going to the bathroom, so I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to talk about the fact that people need to redeem themselves in a lot of horror movies. That's a big part of what people get stuck in. There's a lot of films where people are, uh, like, think of, um, what's the, oh, shit, what's the, what's the video game? Silent Hill. Uh, there's the one where people get in a car crash, and then they survive, but really you find out in the end that they died in the car crash, and they're just living in uh, purgatory and trying to figure out how to redeem themselves so they can cross over to either heaven or hell or whatever it might be into the afterlife i think that is something that might actually happen and guess what guess what fans tyler's not even listening to this so i'm not going to tell it to him don't let him know i said this and i'll see if he comes up with it on his own sorry i don't know where that came from it's okay i gave a whole theory and i told our listeners that i'm not going to tell you what it is because It'll be fun to find out if you think it's a thing or not. Oh, okay. So, okay, you, you you continue on what you're thinking. So, so moving into my portion of the rating, I do feel like... I feel like the... I, I, I think the experimental... The experiment theory holds some... I don't know. I feel like it holds some weight for me. I feel like they're having seen the, the preview for next episode without giving too much away. I feel like we are moving to a situation in which everyone at the camp, as they kind of get more and more scared, has the potential to become a killer. And it's less, the, the lines are blurred, like who are the good guys and who are the bad guys a little bit more, if you know what I mean. So I can well, see the episode was a, called True Killers. So we're learning who, the as Montana told, Donna, you're you're the killer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's like, and it's like, what circumstances, you know, do you end up kind of becoming becoming the killer? Uh, so I have, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious whether that plays like, I don't know. Maybe we've got like a another entity that has like put these people in this position, and maybe I don't know. Maybe Donna's working for somebody that like was facilitating this bit larger scale experiment to see like how people. Right. Um, become serial killers, basically, or, or, or how easy it is for them to start killing people. Um, I could see that being an avenue, hypothetically. Uh, in terms of the episode overall, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought there was a lot of fun moments, a lot of fun twists. Like, I enjoy how we're playing with a lot of the 80s tropes, but like also kind of in an... Enter- I don't know. It, it's It's not just like it's full of cliches in a boring way i feel like they're using them in fun and interesting ways um and i I, there's still something to the parallel storylines that i haven't quite figured out yet and i I, i'm still waiting and if anyone has a theory on that i would love to hear it i uh 
am still a little hesitant to proceed with the uh, reincarnation storyline um, with Night Stalker, with like Jonas. spawning again? Yeah, yeah, the paranormal type thing. I mean, we haven't seen, seen in two episodes. Right. And he was didn't appear in the preview for next episode either. So it's kind of... I don't know. We were kind of introduced to this whole paranormal thing and then it's vanished. So I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. But then we get a little bit of this paranormal thing with, you know, Night Stalker being resurrected apparently by Satan. Uh, hard to say exactly, but I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, I mean, as we've all talked about many times in past seasons, we're not huge fans of the, you know, stakes being low when everyone can always just come right back to life. Even though, like, I enjoyed Trevor. I even enjoyed Ray as a character. I enjoyed Birdie. I don't know that I want them to be able to all of a sudden come back to come life. Come back to life, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how that goes. That being said, I still really enjoyed the episode. I This season has been surprisingly consistent so far, so I feel like yeah. I've... I feel like I've got to give it four, too. I mean, solid eight, seven, solid. seven years around Mr. Jingle's neck, you know? Um, <laughs> not bad. Uh, so, speaking of next episode, it seems like we're going to get Donna's backstory, which should be interesting. We're kind of each episode getting a little bit more backstory on different characters. Um, we Pretty see Montana. Huge. Yeah, we see Montana herself take on Brooke. And... Uh, I don't know. We we kind of see Xavier maybe becoming a killer, and his like it's like everybody's kind of maybe starting to become more violent and you know do what they have to do to survive. So mm-hmm. curious to see where that storyline is headed. Uh, any more thoughts on this particular episode, or on the season in general? The season in general is looking forward. I'm a little disappointed that we don't have a we've talked about this a halloween episode like we usually get or we haven't had it in probably like two or three seasons i can't remember but i always look forward to the halloween se- episode and i feel like we haven't been teased with that yet so i mean we still might get it and halloween episodes are when shit like gets kind of crazy and there's a new character that just really like like spins the whole season kind of on ahead um, I would hope true. that we would but we're not probably going to get that so I'm disappointed by that that being said holy shit I really like 1984 so far I'm shocked not shocked because I love the genre but I'm very happy with it so that's what I would say any final thoughts on you for you on that no I agree it's been really fun so far I'm, I'm enjoying where the season is going in terms of Halloween it is hard to say. I think that Halloween falls on a Thursday this year, and it'll be, what, like, today's the 10th, so the next one will be 17th, and then we've got the 24th, and then we've got the 30th, right? And so, my math's not right there. But, so, but anyway... Halloween's on a Thursday, I know for sure. The 31st is on a Thursday. And so uh, we're going to get an episode on the 30th. And so maybe there'll be some kind of correlation there. But yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of fun when we used to have that in the original seasons. But I mean, this whole season is kind of, you know, 
a throwback to our favorite type of movies we would watch on Halloween. You know, those kind of classic 80s slashers. Um, since next episode is going to be our midway season point, um, I am going to present you with a question this week that I'm going to come back to next week that Bryce threw out. Just something for us to, to contemplate. His question for us was, which season of American Horror Story would you like to exist in for all of eternity if given a choice? As if it, as if mm. it was if, as if it was our hell. So as if it was in the universe. <laughs> yes. So so think about that between now and, and next week. Also next week we're going to talk about things like midseason MVP. Um, you know which characters we're enjoying the most so far this new season, and which maybe actors which who are missing. Are, those types of things. So we will have that to look forward to as well. But overall, I will say, um, man, I, I'm f- pretty strong start to 1984. I feel like this is on track to be among the highest seasons for you and I. I mean, we were pretty mm-hmm. susceptible to 80s nostalgia to begin with, but I feel like they've done a really good job with it, which I is a little bit unexpected, you know? So I, I'm, I agree. I am also, anytime that uh, the credits music comes in, Oh my god, I'm so in. I love it. It's so brilliant. This credit sequence might be the best credit sequence. If even if it's not the I best it. season, I it's it. I think it's the best credit sequence. So, with that having been said, between now and next week, Chris, where can people find you? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And Tyler, how about you? Y'all can catch me on Twitter at TJMoss11. Between now and then, you can join us, uh, join the discussion on the show at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory, and you can email us with your questions and insights at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Of course, we appreciate it when you rate us and review us on iTunes. That's awesome. We keep growing this American Horror Story community, and... Until next week, we wish you all the best. Oh, I will. I was going to say that next week I'm going to be recording from London, and so we may be ooh fancy a day a, a little bit slightly delayed. So just prepare for that. We're going to make it happen. I will record from there, but it depends how quickly I can get the episode. So it's going to happen, but we apologize if we're not immediately uh, after the episode like we normally are. So that having been said, we appreciate y'all, and we will talk to you soon. Until next time, happy hunting.